Another week, another fan Q&A here on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, with everything going on in AEW this past week, a lot of AEW-focused questions. And we start with Twitter and a question from Ashu Bichet. Jeff Hardy debuted on AEW Dynamite this past week. So he wanted to know what our thoughts were of the debut and what dream matches we want to see now that he's in AEW. So Ralph, I'll start it off with you. What'd you think of the debut of Jeff Hardy on Dynamite? Definitely enjoyed it. I thought it was well, well received. One of the, you know, the, the Hardys were one of the tag teams that we pretty much grew up right. on. I mean, we we were kind of growing up during the era where it was, you know, mid 80s and we were watching stuff prior to the 80s. So we grew up with like the Rockers and, and tag teams like that. But we also uh, were, were around, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, around the, the midpoint of, let's say, the Attitude Era or tail end of that. Mm -hmm. So the Hardys were certainly very influential. So to see them reunite, especially at this point in their careers where, you know, AEW has uh, certainly a lot of prominent tag teams right now. um, It's good to see Jeff there. It's good to see Jeff uh, happy and healthy. Uh, And hopefully, you know, he can be utilized in a good way. As far as uh, dream matches, I mean, you look at the tag team division, certainly the Hardys and FTR, I think, is is one match that I certainly would be interested in seeing. Um, I don't know what's going on with the Briscoes. I know that that's being like heavily debated and reported that, you know, higher ups uh, at networks don't want the Briscoes signed to AEW. So don't know if we're going to get that anywhere in the near future. But, you know, I, I think that off the top of my head, you got to go with, I guess, the Bucks. You have to go with FTR. You have to go with some of the more prominent tag teams. And then, you know, it wouldn't be bad to revisit in a singles uh, from singles competition, maybe CM Punk and Jeff Hardy going back to their their uh, epic feud or rivalry rivalry back in WWE. I had on the top of my list, I had five tag team matches on the top was Hardy's and FTR. I actually had to check whether or not they faced off each other uh, while in WWE. They did have a match on Raw, like when they both were yeah. You know, when the Hardys first came back and the Revival first debuted in WWE, it actually came across an article how uh, they were saying the Hardys and the Revival were going to shape up Raw's tag team division. That aged well. <laughs> well. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I also have the Young Bucks. Uh, the Lucha Brothers, I think a lot of people would enjoy and would want to see from both the, you know, acrobatics of it and the high-pacedness of it and really... Two high-flying offenses. I think people would love to see that. I think Santana and Ortiz, you know, would definitely benefit from a match with the Hardys. Jurassic Express, especially if Christian's going to be involved, you definitely got to have that, uh, that, you know, back and forth and that story with Christian. And, and, uh, no, there's just so many tag teams. I agree with you with CM Punk revisiting that. I don't know if they want to bring up, you know, the drug stuff and the straight edge stuff again, kind of rehash the old story, but why not bring in a guy like MJF and that story, have him be the guy that yeah. crosses the line one too many times because we've seen him do it with Darby Allen. We've seen him do it with CM Punk. You know, it seems like he's always trying to cross that line. And even though the match might not be a five-star match, it still would be a good match and a good storyline. So I would definitely be, for a Hardy versus MJF yeah. storyline. And you you brought up Darby Allen. I mean, we can't we can't forget him. Obviously, yep. there's there's parallels that people draw between him uh and even Jim Ross, you know, he calling him uh, you know, 
the the enigma back in the day wwe mm -hmm. um and now you have uh him referring to darby allen in the same manner so i i think there's definitely parallels on some type of spectrum there that and there's an interest you know so as long as people are interested whether it's the tag teams or in singles competition i think that's the important thing um mm -hmm. if for nothing else i think this is a breath of fresh air to really get Matt Hardy back into a situation where he's comfortable. You know, I, I think that when he debuted, they tried the whole Woken gimmick. Now, I don't think that's necessarily going to work with empty arenas. Uh, that's going to be heavily reliant on having a crowd there that can right. react to that. Um, so maybe they revisit that. Um, but certainly having both of them there as a tag team, I think that's both where they're comfortable and both where they're probably happiest. So, you know, that we'll, we'll see what happens, but definitely some interesting matchups in the future. One thing I do have to bring up, though, that my initial reaction to this wasn't necessarily, oh, my God, it's Jeff Hardy. Oh, my God, think of all the dream matches was my initial reaction was how the hell did AEW get the copyright yeah. uh, approval to play the theme song that was played yep. in WWE? Right. I, I don't know. I have to do the research on whether or not it's actually not a WWE produced song or did Jim Johnston have like like the actual copyright that they gave permission for AEW or what happened. But I'm sure someone in the comments can explain that to me. If I'm sure someone's going to yell, you should know this from, well, from what I read. And again, I, we're not, we're not wrestling journalists. We're just podcasting here. So we don't, mm -hmm. we have jobs outside of just reporting on pro wrestling. Um, right. So from what I read, um, I believe Tony Khan purchased the rights to the song along with a couple other songs, crash and Bob Holly's theme song. So a hardcore Holly, I should say, not not Bob Barkplug Holly, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I I think that they own the rights to that right now. So pretty interesting development with that. Yeah, definitely. And if WWE gave them the rights to it, that's you know interesting to see that both promotions are working together just for a song. It's just interesting to say the least. But you bring up hardcore Holly, and it actually goes to our next question here from Steven Cisneros. He asks, will AEW introduce a cruiserweight champion, also a hardcore champion, or trios title in the future? I could see a cruiserweight division. Whether they call it cruiserweight or junior heavyweight, that's up for debate. But I could totally see that with the amount of guys in that junior heavyweight division. You got Darby, you got Sammy, you've got Swerve, you've got Tony Nese. I, I think a belt for them and that division would really help at least focus on, you know, some storylines outside of the TNT championship, outside of the world championship. And I know under, I understand not every storyline needs a championship, but I think it would still help nonetheless. Hardcore championship, I don't think is necessary. You have the FTW championship, which is rendered meaningless, but you could kind of play a hardcore champion background around the FTW championship and the trios title. Does it overshadow the tag division too much? Because a lot of these trios are really just tag teams with some third wheel attached to it. I, I know a lot of people want it, but I don't know if it's really necessary for a trios title. Of all of those titles, the one that I think is most practical, the one that I can envision AEW actually bringing to fruition, I think it's probably the trios tag title, um, mostly because they they go to that match so often. We see that match so often, whether it's on Dynamite, Rampage, wherever. They have so many factions that I think that's the one that is very easily, uh, you know, something that they can translate to TV in a, in a fairly easy fashion. Um, cruiserweight division. 
yeah, they do have enough guys. The problem with that I see is now you're carving out an additional amount of time and an amount uh, that you're going to have to dedicate towards a whole new division, a whole new championship. They're already dedicating time to like a trios division, if you want to call it that. If you look at certain factions like uh, Kings of the Black Throne, um, you know, uh, Best Friends, Jurassic, whatever, whatever group, whatever faction you want to look at, they're already dedicating time to to individuals like that. Sure. The TNT title, um, hardcore title, definitely don't need it. Uh, difficult to to start doing matches like that. They do again. That's something they're already kind of doing. Doesn't necessarily need its own title. Uh, lightweight division, cruiserweight division, whatever you want to call it. Yes, they can do it. At the same time, I think it might be a little difficult because you already have guys of smaller stature that are competing for the heavyweight championship. True. Right? We just saw Adam Cole, who is not like this massive muscle-bound guy, challenge Hangman Page for the heavyweight championship. So, you know, now if you have guys competing for, I guess what you would consider a lesser title, but also competing for the heavyweight championship. Now you have to start talking about divisions and, you know, they already have issues with the rankings, in, in my opinion. So I, I don't want to see them introduce now weight classes or anything like that to it. So of those uh, titles, I think the trios tag titles is probably the one that is most likely. Um, to be honest with you, I'd like to see them just focus on building better storylines or good storylines and uh, promoting the heavyweight in the TNT championship. I, I'm glad you brought up the rankings because it actually brings us to our next question that was brought up on the YouTube community page, which was Bargified. He asked, should AEW remove the rankings? Because yep. people could sit, like always get in the rankings from winning matches on YouTube that everybody watches. And you'd like to know how they get to the number one ranked wrestler by actually watching Dynamite and Rampage. No, I, I agree. I, I don't think they need rankings. I think that it was an idea that they had at the beginning, but the problem is they're very difficult to work through. Uh, and they're also very arbitrary. You know, one week, Lance Archer's challenging for the heavyweight championship. Two weeks later, he's not even on the pay-per-view. So how does somebody go from being ranked like number one and challenging for a title and loses once to a champion, and now all of a sudden he's not even worthy enough to be on on the the pay-per-view? So... Um, I always said that, you know, especially with pro wrestling, like there's a certain, the, the perception is more important than like a number or a ranking or anything like that. It's like what you're showing your audience. Um, there's certain guys like CM Punk that I don't even think he's been ranked to this point, nope. but he's had very important storylines in store in a lot of time that's been dedicated to him and rightfully so. So I don't think you necessarily need rankings to make people feel important. I think a lot of times it's just something that people can look to and criticize AEW for because, you know, I, I think they're arbitrary. I don't think there's much um, validity in them. So I don't think they need them. I just think they need to push guys that are, you know, championship caliber guys, build interesting storylines. And I think they can do that simply without uh, a ranking system. You know, I bring up Vince McMahon on this ar uh, argument, though. Vince McMahon, you know, in that interview with, Pat McAfee always talked about what made him differ, how he was going to be different from other wrestling companies. You know, he says stuff like sports entertainment instead of pro wrestling, he calls them superstars instead of wrestlers. This is something that AEW could separate themselves from other promotions. We have a ranking system. The problem is it's never been explained how we get to this point. It literally is. You know, Ty Conti's instantly the number one ranked wrestler because we don't want Jade Cargill to challenge Britt Baker at the pay-per-view 
So we'll have Ty Conti win a bunch of matches on dark. And then she challenges Britt Baker at full gear, even though Jade Cargill won a match where she became the number one ranked wrestler, beat the number one ranked wrestler in that match, didn't lose at all since, and then becomes number one, two ranked wrestler just because Ty Conti is going to get the match. And eventually Jade Cargill is going to be the TBS champion. Makes no sense. This past Wednesday, Dante Martin was challenging for the world championship in a match that was not promoted. And not every match has to be promoted. And it was a nice surprise. Hey, Hangman's getting a world title match on dynamite. And Dante Martin has had some, had some moments on dynamite. So it's not like a complete out of nowhere challenge, but at the same time, he's the number two ranked wrestler. When was the last time he had a match on dynamite as a singles wrestler, you know, and that's the thing that needs to be, you know, figured out or explained. How do they get to these rankings? Because one week Dante Martin is number two. Who is he? Who is he really beat? CM Punk has beaten MJF, Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston. These are guys that have challenged for world titles or TNT championships. He's beat them all and he's never been ranked. Yeah. And when you I'll- look at AW, like if I were to ask you, because I literally just pulled up the rankings, like. If you just watch their program, let's say you were somebody that never watched their programming before. I made you sit down and I made you watch Dynamite. You'd come away from that thinking certain guys are supposed to be feel are supposed to feel important. MJF, mm-hmm. uh, CM Punk, Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho. Those are guys that are essentially some of them larger than life. Uh, off the screen, they pop out as, as far as their their personality. They're dedicating time and investment into those guys, making you feel like they're important. Now I go to the rankings right now today. Wardlow's number one. I agree with that. They 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 gave him some TV time and they've been trying to push him. Dante Martin, you already talked about him. Is he a good young talented guy? Yes, but is he is he ranked number two or number three in my mind? Um, I don't see how how he got to that point because I can't really think of any prominent singles wins that he's had that would put him in there. And not only that, but you know, did they really dedicate that much time and investment into pushing him as? this threat to the championship. He didn't, he didn't really do much outside of the tag team division. So I, I can't say I really see him there. Hangman, uh, Adam Cole, of course he should be there. And then, you know, Lance Archer, I have, I don't, I can't even tell you the last time I've seen him on TV and powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, what has he done lately in the singles competition? So if you're portraying on TV, that guys like Jericho, Eddie Kingston, um, orange Cassidy, to a certain extent, these are the guys that are supposed to be important. But then you look at the rankings and it doesn't match what they're portraying on TV. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to say, oh, well, they won a bunch of matches on dark. Like, guys, that's like winning matches on on like, I don't know, main event or something. If right. you're watching WWE and I know people will be like, oh, they're not they're not the same. Yes, they are the same. They're the right. same. There's they're two shows that are a very obscure that a very, very, very small percentage of their fan base is watching. If you want their, your people, your wrestlers and your your talent to feel important. You put them in intriguing storylines on Dynamite or even to a certain extent Rampage. Mostly on Dynamite because that's your number one show. That's Mm -hmm. the show that people watch the most. They tune into. They watch that for storyline progression and to see who they want you to feel uh, is important. And the rankings don't match that. Right. No, I I totally agree with you. And, you know, Scorpio Sky just challenged for the TNT Championship, won it (laughs) on this past Dynamite, and he's been undefeated for 364 days you know, he's been ranked and then he just mysteriously disappears from the rankings. What? Like that there, like there's just 
unexplained things about the rankings. Now, if you want to go, hey, it's a poll among journalists. If you want to bring Dave Meltzer involved and Sean Ross Sapp and Ryan Satin and Andrew Zarian, fuck, we'll even be part of the voting poll if they really want us to. You know, just if that's how you're going to do it, fine. If it's going to be, you know, solely based on winning percentage, fine. But they literally have no explanation. It's just, all right, Tony Khan just draws five names out of a hat. Those are the rankings this week. Well, not only that, too, but when you look at it, it puts them in a difficult position because there's been times where they've had to have these quote-unquote unsanctioned matches, the most notable one, Adam Cole losing to Orange Cassidy, and they're like, Mm -hmm. their hardcore fans are like, oh, well, that was unsanctioned. It didn't count. And it's like, no, in reality, they just wanted to work around the ranking system and have Mm -hmm. Orange Cassidy go over Adam Cole. Adam Cole challenged for the championship. Orange Cassidy has done essentially nothing since. So... I don't, you know, you want to have a ranking system to your point? Yeah, have a ranking system, but make it make sense and make sure it has value or meaning there, not just, oh, well, this guy has a bunch of wins on Dark or some other YouTube show, and, you know, now all of a sudden he's going to challenge for the championship. That's not, to me, I'd much rather see a good product, good matches based on intriguing storylines and not based on rankings. Let's continue with all these AEW-type questions here. Murray Lindsay uh, tweets us here, Do you think AEW has blown Adam Cole? It seemed like the original plan was was Adam Cole, the young bucks, to have the super elite with Omega being the odd man out. Now that Red Dragon left WWE, Tony Khan pivoted. Would you have done the same if you were Tony Khan? They definitely haven't blown it with Adam Cole. I do, well, again, I, I question the whole... You that he had with Orange Cassidy, and it's you're not, not an Orange Cassidy not, fan. We get it has it, nothing. No, it has nothing to do with me disliking Orange Cassidy. It just has to do with the fact that, like, what do they? What do they? Honestly, what do they plan to do with Orange Cassidy? So they, we saw the same thing with Jericho. He got the big win over Jericho. They didn't do anything after that. He got the win over Adam Cole. Now I know he's hurt right now, but there was like a good month or however long after he got that win, even it being an unsanctioned match. And they didn't really do a whole lot with him. So it's like, why is Adam Cole? And this is more of a fault of AEW, in my opinion. They have these guys that debut. They have a great debut. They have a good first week. And then it's kind of like you're on the back burner a little bit. You're not thrown. And I don't know if that's because of the rankings and they have to work their way up. Whatever the case may be, it's not very common for somebody to come in and, you know, challenge for a title right out of the gate. Now, did Adam Cole do that? Yes. I think, unfortunately, for Adam Cole, there's a few things working against him here. There's a very, very tribalistic uh, fan base here. So mm-hmm. he left the WWE and NXT for the rival promotion to that hardcore WWE fan base. Now, I watch both WWE, I watch NXT, and I watch AEW. Adam Cole is still one of my favorites, um, no matter where he is. Uh, mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter to me. But unfortunately, some fans are not going to embrace Adam Cole there. The other thing is, now that he is now in AEW, and this was a factor even when he was in NXT... You have people that are pointing at, pointing out his his lack of size, lack of physique, and whether that's a legitimate argument or not, people are using that as something to criticize him for. So mm. I don't think it necessarily has to do with the way he's been positioned because he did just challenge for the title. I think it has has to do with that somewhat, but I also think it has a lot to do with the uh, atmosphere of the fan base right now, unfortunately. Anybody that's going to jump ship... You're not going to be embraced by the company that you just left, unfortunately, for a good majority of that fan base in my mind. Right. Now, I want to talk about the back half of this question. You know, he talks about 
the original plan with the Super Elite, Omega being the odd man out. Yep. Then they pivoted with Red Dragon. Honestly, I think with Red Dragon coming in, that pivot was necessary. And maybe Tony Khan knew, listen, Kyle O'Reilly's contract's coming up. Bobby Fish got released. Let's run with this. Let's try to get both of them yeah. and run with this storyline because this is a, a dream match, per se, of the Wednesday Night War where the Super Elite faces uh, the Undisputed Era. And eventually, we're going to get to that point. And I think that's going to be a huge match. I think at double or nothing, that's the match that we're going to see. I think also with Adam Cole, did they blow blow him? No, because you just, as you oh, mentioned. Oh, they didn't blow him? He, no, I certainly they, hope they didn't blow him. <laughs> He's not, I don't know how else to say it. They didn't, they blow, it, they didn't the, blow it with him. They, thank you. <laughs> he didn't, they didn't blow it with him is what I should say. Uh, now we're going to get demonetized. Thanks, Ralph. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say it, you did, so. <laughs> right. Getting back to the conversation. Thank God we're not live. Adam Cole just challenged for the world championship. Now, usually when someone loses the championship match, they go to the back of the line and there's really no revisiting that feud. Yeah. However, it seems like Adam Cole could be challenging again for the world title at Battle of the Belts based on what we saw on Dynamite this week. So the six-man tag that we're going to see with Jurassic Express and Adam, uh, Adam Page versus Cole and Red Dragon eventually leads to maybe Cole pinning Hangman and saying, hey, I pin you. Now I want a rematch, and it happens at Battle of the Belts. Holy could see that happening. Yeah. Um, and then maybe that's when Omega comes back, and Omega maybe helps Hangman Page with the win or saves him after a beatdown or whatever the case may be. Or maybe Cole actually wins the title from Hangman Page. Yeah. And then we get Omega versus Cole at double or nothing for the world title. I don't think it necessarily means they drop the ball with Cole, but with Red Dragon coming in, it opens up the box and see what they could do with it because there's a lot you could do with it from now until double or nothing and even past double or nothing. Yeah. And and you you pointed this out. There there is a lot that they can talk about and a lot that they can uh do in terms of storylines, whether it's, you know, Omega and, and Adam Cole eventually, the whole dynamic with the hangman page, Red Dragon and Super Elite. There there's a lot that they can talk about there. The problem is gonna be this in my mind. Um a lot of that is going back on history and a lot of that is gonna visit or revisit some things that happened before AEW was a thing. You got to get people caught up to speed because, you know, and we just saw this. I mean, with with the whole thing with CM Punk coming out to his old Ring of Honor theme. Not everybody knows everything that happened prior to AEW. You know, people used to mm -hmm. watch Ring of Honor, and that's great if you enjoyed Ring of Honor. But not everybody who's a wrestling fan paid attention to that. So you're going to get some fans that maybe started paying attention to the Bucks and Kenny and all those guys, uh, you know, when they were in New Japan Pro Wrestling, or you might have some people who started paying attention to Adam Cole when he debuted in NXT. They may not know the deep history that this whole feud is rooted in. So it's going to be on AEW, whether it's through promos or these guys, TV packages, whatever direction they're going to go in, they're going to have to get the fans caught up to speed. And I think they've do done a pretty good job at that. But um, yeah, that's just one of those things, man. Like that's That's going to be the difficult part because they're going to have to invest a lot of time and effort into ensuring that everybody's caught up to speed with everything that's happened prior to this feud happening. Well, that's one of the benefits of buying ring of honor. Cause now they can yeah. get everybody up to speed. If they do a, a storyline similar to how WWE would, 
go back to the library and, you know, dig some stuff out and tell the story, you know, and they could probably do it better than WWE because WWE sometimes does not, you know, close those, those gaps. Sometimes they just assume you forgot and move on. AEW could tell you, listen, here's the stuff that you need to know in ring of honor, bring that, that stuff in and, you know, get people excited for ring of honor stuff and, you know, get people that don't know what happened in ring of honor interested and that's going to help them with streaming deals so i think it's a great move but let's talk about the old adam cole you know place of work and that is nxt and this question comes from unrealized thoughts after what we saw this past wednesday with the triple threat match Mm -hmm. where do you see nxt 2.0 in the next six months he says six months but i think six months is a little too far to kind of picture where nxt is going but I could totally see either the main event being Braun Breaker versus Dolph Ziggler Santa Deliver, or maybe, just maybe, the NXT Championship gets defended yeah. at WrestleMania. Yeah, and I'm so surprised. So first of all, when is Santa Deliver? Is that WrestleMania weekend? It is WrestleMania weekend, okay. so it's going to be April 2nd at 12 noon. So they're yeah. doing that show. Santa Deliver at 12 noon, and then night one of WrestleMania will be, I think it starts at 8. Yeah. Here's what I want to point out, okay? Now, I, I saw a lot of, and again, unfortunately, this speaks mostly to the, the tribalism you're seeing in pro wrestling right now. Automatically, people were, uh, you know, so quick to jump on the fact that Dolph Ziggler won the NXT Championship and saying, oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a breeding ground and developmental. How would you give the championship to this guy? What? What was Dolph doing on the main roster? He was in a tag team with Robert Roode, and they were not really doing anything that was any anything all that special. Um, having Dolph go from the main roster to NXT, to me, I'd much rather see him in that position, similar to like Finn Balor, because when you look at it, Tommaso Ciampa, to me, his peak in NXT was obviously his his um, his feud with Johnny Gargano that happened probably three mm-hmm. years ago. There's probably not a yep. whole lot left that he's going to be able to do to put that company or to put that brand on his back. So having Dolph go there and win the championship, especially if Braun Breaker and him can go out there and have a good match, uh, whether that's at stand and deliver or, you know, by chance it does happen at WrestleMania, you got, you now have this young kid who's going over somebody who is a former champion. Um, So it's one of those things. It's like, you know, people always say, Oh, we want long-term storytelling and things like that. It's like, all right, well, Having Ziggler win, he's got to drop the title to somebody. So if it ends up being Braun Breaker and he ends up putting him over, isn't that a good thing for Braun Breaker? Isn't that a good thing for the brand? Isn't that special for uh, NXT 2.0 to have somebody of that caliber wrestling on their show? So Mm -hmm. I definitely don't agree with the sentiment that people have like, oh, this is a guy that's uh, from the main roster winning the championship. It's like, Let's see what happens. I guarantee you he's probably dropping that title either back to Braun Breaker or somebody else that they're going to push pretty strongly. So I don't have a problem with this. Right. Right. I I agree with you. I think the title's going to get dropped back to Braun Breaker at Stand and Deliver or whenever this match is going to happen, WrestleMania weekend, because, you know, let's not forget, Braun Breaker did not get pinned yeah. in that match. Champa took the pin. So obviously you could say Braun Breaker never lost. Yeah. He's going after what he should have rightfully and there's the match and that sets it up one thing that you got to admit for those that don't like nxt 2.0 there's at least a lot more effort into building these guys than there was with nxt the black and gold brand because 
It was the black and gold brand, and they just assumed everybody would know who they are. And when they came to the main roster, uh, who's this guy? And they don't connect, and then they fall to the make card or worse, future endeavor. NXT 2.0 now, you've seen Champa on the main roster having matches and winning matches. Grayson Waller having feuds with AJ Styles. Braun Breaker debuting this past Monday on Raw. You know he's going to be going back and forth between Raw and NXT 2.0 between now and Mania. And you've seen guys like AJ Styles go to NXT 2.0. You've seen now Dolph Ziggler win the NXT championship. At least the USA Network. I don't know whether or not they told them or not, but USA Network's got to be like, listen, our ratings are bad with NXT 2.0 right now. Is there any way you could help with those ratings or help with the storylines or help with these guys? And Vince McMahon probably going, listen, it probably works that some of these NXT 2.0 guys go back and forth so that they slowly get introduced instead of just, boom, here they are. Now what? It's basically the whole like, oh my God, it's a surprise. I can't believe they're here but we got nothing for them and there's no follow-up. And then when there's no follow-up, they fall down and then they get future endeavor. And it's like, well, what happened? Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. NXT 2.0 right now is more aligned with what the main roster is in the fan base of Mm -hmm. what the the, the fan base they're trying to attract. Um, NXT, the black and gold, as good as it was, it was very much probably more so geared towards like the AW fan base. Uh, it, it was very yes. different, very disconnected from uh, the main roster. And that's okay. I, I loved NXT. I, I loved a lot of the feuds. I loved a lot of the wrestlers. A lot of the wrestlers are having a lot of success in AEW or elsewhere right now. And that's fine, you know, um, but it, it was not really geared towards, you know, getting people ready for the main roster to a certain extent it did that. But at the same time, I think WWE is trying to have more of that crossover between, okay, if you watch Raw and you watch SmackDown, now you're going to see guys coming up from NXT 2.0, or you might see guys going down to NXT 2.0 and trying to have a little more carryover with the fan bases that maybe weren't watching mm-hmm. NXT because it is or was so much different than uh, Raw or SmackDown. Right now I'll admit it's not perfect. No. You know, because we just saw on SmackDown, Pete Dunne, who was kind of a focal point in the early stages of this NXT 2.0, having his feud with Tony D'Angelo, comes up to the main roster and he shares a name with a a Bushwhack. (laughs) Like, I mean, maybe we're too old to, maybe some of the fan base don't even know what the Bushwhackers were or who they are. But when I, when you texted me that Pete Dunne changed his name to Butch, (laughs) I was like, what? He's the stooge, man. He's like the, if you have ever seen the Christmas story, when I saw him last night in the suspenders in that hat, he (laughs) reminded me of, uh, what's that kid's name? I forgot. Grover Dill. Dill. Grover Dill. That's who he (laughs) reminded me of. It's like, okay, he's going to be the stooge to Seamus right now. So yeah, it's unfortunate. I I was thinking more Oliver Twist, but Grover Dill fits the bill just as much. But let's close this out. I I think this is going to be a weekly thing. with these nice way to close out the show because CW has come out with some very good questions. Last week, it was, I think a hall of fame related question this week. We close it out with which sports figure do you think could have been or would be successful in professional wrestling? Now I didn't have to clarify and ask, is it wrestlers that are sports athletes that competed in wrestling at all? Like a Lawrence Taylor, for example, he said they do not count okay. because they have already wrestled. 
So who has, without any wrestling experience, would succeed in wrestling as a sports figure? I've said this for a long time, and this is mostly because he's also a fan, or at least pays attention to it and gets it. I think that Chael Sonnen could have certainly been somebody that played more of a, um, you know, the the authority figure, something like that. I, he didn't necessarily need mm-hmm. to be somebody that wrestled, but he's got a big personality. He understands the importance of having a personality, and he's he's a great talker, too. He's got good psychology. Mm-hmm. So uh, off the top of my head, he'd definitely be number one. You could probably say Conor McGregor. Yep. I was thinking I'm trying him. to think of larger larger than life figures that kind of pop into my head. It's difficult because you can either debut and be really good or really bad. Like Floyd Mayweather is really good for boxing and a draw and his personality translates well there, but I mean wrestling wise, oof. Yeah. Not to say that his match with Big Show was bad, but the promotion going into that match was was bad other than the 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 segment where he broke Big Show's nose. You know, I mean a lot of a lot of times an easy transition is football to wrestling. We've seen so many pro football players yeah. make that transition to professional wrestling and have great careers. We just saw Bader get inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. He had a career as an offensive lineman in the 70s. So, obviously, it does make weight. So, when I think of pro figures, you know, I talk about some of these, like, defensive linemen that would be great. And some of them, you know, back then, you know, you talk of Michael Strahan, you know, a guy who is a great talker and has a lot of TV experience, but could probably kick someone's ass with a spare or two. That's a guy that could possibly do it. I mean, granted, I might be biased in that conversation being a Giants fan, but also J.J. Watt might be a guy who could probably fit that bill. You know, baseball, if you talk about guys that drew heat in the 90s, John Rocker. Wasn't he also like incredibly racist? Yes, like he invented he invented cancel culture. You bring a guy like him today, imagine the heat he would get for the controversial stuff he would say. Granted, he'd probably be canceled after the first promo he cut, but Rocker would be probably a very good heel in wrestling as far as promo. I don't know about in-ring talent, but promo-wise, John Rocker would be a great heel. I'm going to throw a name out there. You might not even know who he is, and he's not necessarily a pro athlete, but he's more of a a character, and I know he's having some health issues now, but maybe in his prime. I, do you know who C.T. Fletcher is? The name sounds so familiar. He, so, and maybe even this is another guy, too. I mean, there's been guys that have had some notoriety on, like, YouTube and have this kind of, like, cult following. C.T. Fletcher's a guy that um, he's got a huge personality, he he did like some bodybuilding. He might have done it it's done it pro, but um just the way he carries himself, presents himself like that over the top personality, I think would translate well to wrestling or even somebody like Kimbo Slice, mm-hmm. you know, because he did have that legit like tough guy, badass street fighter background. Um and he did fight in the UFC and he did have a big personality and he was likable too. Yeah. So guys like that, I mean, you could get Anybody that's athletic, it doesn't mean it's going to translate well to to wrestling. It's really the personality part and the psychology part. Like Kurt Angle, he right. came from uh, being a gold medalist and he just got it. And you, that's what you got to try to find. That's the diamond in the rough, not necessarily just the raw athleticism. Right. Because like how many times have we seen a basketball player, for example, try to make it in wrestling? And it, it seems like that's the worst example of an athlete. Ah, Giant Gonzalez was great. No, come on. No, no, no. The, no. No. Giant, Giant Gonzalez, you know, his 
his way of getting an, uh, the Undertaker a win at WrestleMania 9, probably one of the dumbest finishes in WrestleMania history. The chloroform disqualification. So dumb. <laughs> so dumb. But I, I, I'm sure we're missing a few sports figures. But I'm so happy, you know, feel free to comment below what you thought. Give us some questions for our next Q&A question session. And don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPV Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Cycle Babble.